0: Welcome Garland readers to our series of interviews with key craft thinkers and makers from the wider world. Linen has been a special topic for Garland. We started our second journey with a story about the Dutch linen stewards who cared for a field of flax that they not only grew but processed into textiles. Now we find a similarly inspiring story from Sweden, from Hemsloeden. One of the oldest craft associations in the world, containing 14,000 members from 90 different local associations. This story is about the one square metre linen project where thousands of individuals across Sweden and beyond grew and processed their own plot of flax. To learn more about this, we speak with the person at the centre of it, Halevi Skoglund, a regional craft advisor for the West Sweden region. Hilevi takes us on a scenic journey, a journey that starts where the internet ends, in experience. It's an important story that I hope you enjoy. So Hilevi, if we can start, could you tell us about yourself, where you grew up and your encounter with flax? Yes, please. Thank you so much for having
1: me um, uh, at your podcast. Well, my name is Hillevi Skoglund, and I live in the west of Sweden. Uh, And I've uh, been—I started with crafts as a small child, as we have it in schools uh, and in our education educational system. And uh, I uh, and I studied to be a a regional crafts advisor. Uh, That's a profession in Sweden, and we have a couple of uh, regional crafts advisors in in every region in sweden and we have for textile or for uh wood and metal and i am a textile crafts advisor and uh well well please i, I could i could start with telling you a little something about what the regional crafts advisor do and i maybe you get the you oh sorry by English I have to speak more slowly so I so I have to carry it away. <clears throat> well, I work as a regional crafts advisor in the west of Sweden, and we have a big region here. Population wise, it's the second biggest in Sweden, and we have forty nine municipalities in this region. So we are actually seven colleagues and I am employed by the region. Um, we, maybe we can talk about that a little more later in, uh, about the, the craft organizations and how we are organized in Sweden with crafts. Uh, but I work as a regional crafts advisor and I work with promoting handicraft. And we work with both, both hobbyists and profi- professional craftsmen. And we have a wide network, and so we do different things. We can tell you about courses, ongoing exhibitions, where to find handicraft products. Uh, We work as project management uh, with project management. We give advice, teaching the teachers and things like that. And uh, uh, as a northern country, we have the we work with uh, with natural materials. So flax and wool are the main materials for me that I work with, because they are um, local to this area. Uh, So I've encountered wool and uh, flax, of course, and linen uh, all through my life, uh, actually. But what is fun with this project um, is that my knowledge of linen and flax was Quite a lot of book knowledge and not much practical experience, so this project has taught me a lot. Actually,
0: uh, can I ask you, Halevi, the, uh? the 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 role of craft regional advisor is that a a new phenomenon in Sweden, or has something like this been happening for a long time?
1: No, it's been around since the thirties. I think uh, we had in my region we had the first. Uh, advisor
0: in the 30s,
1: so it's been a long, uh, around for a long time.
0: And so, tell us about the one square meter linen project, and how it came yes. about.
1: Yes, I will tell you about that. Well, it started in, and uh, you, if uh, you are free to interrupt me at any time, my husband always tells me that I'm always take the scenic route when telling a story. So, That's, we're about the
0: scenic route, Helévi, so please uh, take us on a journey.
1: <laughs> so, But feel free to, to ask me questions if you think I'm talking too much or interrupt me. Well, but it started in uh, 2019. Uh, the idea came up then because we had a storytelling workshop with a lady called uh, Inger Vidja. And uh, she has worked with an educational program at the museum in my region, and uh, she's an ethnologist. And uh, this workshop was about combining storytelling, and I mean storytelling not in the advertising way, but in the real way, (laughs) like telling a story uh, with craft. And uh, she came to, uh, she held this workshop, and she had a small towel with her. And she said, this is my most precious textile. And it was nothing special about it. It was hand woven. It was nice, but nothing nothing significant. Uh, But then she told us a story about this towel. And uh, Inge grew up with her grandparents uh, on a small farm in the west of Sweden. And it was a farm that had been in the family for generations. And, you know, in places like that, there are outhouses or attics and sheds filled with all belongings and things uh, to former residences of the (laughs) farm. Uh, And she was a very curious little girl. So she was um, looking around everywhere and asking about all the different things she found in those attics and sheds. And, um, of course, there were tools for processing flax to linen. So she asked her grandmother about that. And her grandmother was a pedagogic, de, pedagogic genius. So she said that, I will show you, I will show you how to use those tools. So she started at the beginning. So they made a, had a small plot in the garden where they sown, sown uh, the flaxseed. Uh, about one or two square meters. And then they did all the process. They uh, picked the weeds, they harvested the flax, they uh, dried it, put it out for retting, uh, took all, dried it again, took out all the tools from the sheds, and did the whole whole process from uh, now you have to help me. First it's breaking, then it's scutching then it's heckling is that right in the english you're words? the
0: expert in this halavi <laughs> so not in english sure. that's that sounded <laughs> convincing
1: oh we in this podcast we use those words anyhow um and then they um and then they made thread from the processed flax and then they put up a loom and they wove these towels and Almost six, eight, almost seventy years later, Inger is sitting there with her towel and saying, "This is the most precious textile I have." And uh, her story um, uh, got us thinking. So we thought, uh, "Couldn't we do that? Couldn't we be Inger's grandmother together?" Because that is just not—it's just not uh, any towel. It's. Uh, it, um, it's so much more than just a towel, it's uh, transferred knowledge, it's, uh, uh, it's the manifestation of a very special relationship between a grandmother and a little girl. Uh, it's almost like a manif- manifestation of love, we thought. So couldn't we do this? So we thought, well, of course we do. Can't we just grow one square meter of flax together? but growing separately but learning together. And uh, so I started by drawing up a little project plan and I thought maybe I would this would be very good if maybe 50 people would be interested in this project. Then uh, I think it's uh, it uh, it's a success. And uh, well, so this was in 2019 uh, and you know everyone knows what happened in 2020. Uh, it was the pandemic, uh, with the social uh, restrictions and, oh, you know everything that happened. But this perfect was, well, this project was perfect. <laughs> it was a perfect timing, with the pandemic actually, because it was designed so that you could grow together and uh, grow, uh, grow separately but learning together. So that's how it's. That's the. Um, how the project started so the concept it's very simple uh, we uh, if you want to join sign up for the project and I will send you a little a little bag with seeds and a, new, and a small instruction how to do it and then we uh, and then there were newsletters in the different steps through the growing and uh, to the processing and so on so that's how it started
0: Great. So it became uh, a project of um, Hemsleden, is that right? The this national association.
1: Well, the first year it was just my region, and I'm employed by the region, so I'm. But we um, uh, cooperate with Hemslöiden all the time. But the first year it was just in my region. So the next year, and it was well. I I said it maybe fifty people would be interested, but I had seven hundred people signing up, and. It's a, it's, a big, it's a big number, especially, well, if you have 700 people going to a cultural event, it's not that much. But if you have 700 people signing up to committing to do all these steps from seed to fabric, it's a big commitment by people. So we were very happy and surprised, actually, by the, by the response from the public. So the first year it was just us uh, and some other regions were inspired, so they tagged along as well but the and then uh, um, uh, Hemsladen and I got in contact and we thought, couldn't we do this in the whole of Sweden next year? So that's when when we teamed up with Hemsladen um and that's the national National Association. National Association of Swedish Handicraft Societies. <laughs> uh, and we had the National Association of Lace Making. we part of the project group for 2020. And uh, some other regional advisors, uh, textile advisors from different regions in Sweden. So we had a project group. So just now let's go national for 2020. And it went uh, very well. Uh, we had over 6,000 people joining us in 2020.
0: Tell me, Levy. in terms of the various steps, uh, huh? obviously people need to have a square meter yes. uh, to work with, uh, and then the growing of it, I guess, is like uh, having a garden, so that's something relatively contained. but. What about the later steps, which are more dependent on more specialist tools, particularly when it comes to a loom for weaving? Uh, were people sourcing them individually, or were there collective versions of these?
1: Well, yes. It, um, it we everyone grew separately, and it would, could be just in a pot, or uh, out in the garden, or in a field, or. Uh, on the on community land, or there were on, in, in cemeteries. <laughs> there were all these different places where people grew. And then we organized, uh, together with different associations, um, breaking parties. So they did the retting by themselves, and then we had breaking parties. So people could take their flags and go to a retting party and do all the steps. In the processing the fiber um, from hay to fiber. And we had one, uh, one breaking party in particular that was uh, very nice um, because, um, individually, to our project, the, it is this artist called Christine uh, Eriksson, Wahlström Eriksson. And she had a, a pro, uh, an artwork on a big parking lot in Gothenburg. It's our second biggest city. And you know, you know one of those places, those uh, very ugly mm, places where people just go to buy stuff and it's just vast parking lots and it's you know those places. Sure. Yeah. So she had um, um breaking up the the concrete, the asphalt and she had grown a parking lot of flax there so and it was like a window to the sky it was so beautiful with all this this mordor-like environment and this beautiful little flax field in the middle of the parking lot uh, and it was her artwork so i contacted her and said couldn't we have a breaking party together because it would be so fun to clash this environment with all the growers and all the participants from the project. And uh, of course, she thought it was a great idea. So we had a breaking party at this parking lot. And it was a wonderful sight to see people getting off the tram uh, with their backpacks filled with uh, with the flax uh, hay and uh, walking across <laughs> the parking lot to our little breaking party and all our, all our tools that we
0: had brought with us. So it was so can you describe what happens in a breaking party?
1: Yeah, you, um, for for 200 years or so, they had breaking parties, but then they of course, then they had they processed all the flax and then they had a big party because uh, uh, for, um, in history, every, every time you work with something, you always have to celebrate it. It's almost like everything you do is just an excuse to have a party (laughs) sometimes but you start with breaking so you have retted your flax and then you have this uh, breaking um, uh, tool that you break the hay so the uh, wood of the flax uh, straw is broken so after you have broken that you take it to the scotch scotch thingy, it's uh, like a sword that you you beat out the small wooden uh, chips from the straw from the straw and the flax fiber and after that you go to the hackling tools and it's like uh, it's um, combs made of uh, steel so you start with a one that is uh, with one and then you go to finer and finer and then in the end, you have this almost like hair fiber, and that's the one you need. You want to do the spinning with.
0: But, but listeners this part- might listeners might like to to look at that video. Uh, I'll put it in the notes. Uh, yes, of Inga yes. Vidja, which goes through that process very very nicely.
1: Yes, uh, and she tells her story much better than I do too. <laughs> um but in this project it, we were very uh, you didn't have to do if you were happy with just growing and experience the beauty of the plant that was okay but if you wanted to do all the steps to uh to uh, to uh, to, a, to a textile to to a fabric or Whatever if you wanted to knit with it or what did you do it it was um, up to you it was up to the per- participant how long you wanted to stay in the process um and we were very well i did some when I, when when i uh, when I went to school to become a a hand of craft advisor I had some Uh, well, two or three days with flax and linen uh, processing. uh, And it was 25 years ago. So my knowledge of this wasn't uh, fresh or very deep. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I was very, uh, and some of my colleagues uh, had better knowledge of it, but uh, a lot of us, and I mean in in whole of Sweden uh, uh, with my colleagues, we didn't know that much about the process. We knew what we have read in books, but we didn't uh, own the knowledge in our bodies. We didn't have the, we hadn't experienced the knowledge. Uh, And I was very transparent with that. So I didn't, this is a learning journey that we take together. And uh, my, um, the feedback I had from, from participants was that this was very new for a lot of people. Uh, there were this was new knowledge gained, but we were very fortunate uh, in Sweden to have a lot of associations working with flax, and they were were very generous with their knowledge. So they helped me fact. Or helped uh, us to fact check our newsletters, uh, and uh, and they were. They were very, very helpful
0: and became a part of the project, of course. And apart from the breaking parties, what about the later processes of uh, spinning and weaving? Were they also done collectively?
1: Uh, some were, not the weaving. Uh, but uh, we have so- had uh, some uh, spinning uh, meetups uh, and courses and uh we tried to do some online stuff, but it's hard uh, to, especially if you um, if you have spinning wheel. Is that the word? For yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a spindle, it's easier, but uh, to instruct someone online with a spinning wheel that hasn't been used for thirty years, <laughs> it's <laughs> um, it's a bit, it's a bit difficult. And uh, as the project. progresses uh, we have also asked the participants what's what do you like Uh, what do you want us to do what do you uh, how do you want the project to continue and develop Uh, so and spinning is uh, what many people want to do but the first two years they were just amazed by had uh, that they could grow anything, <laughs> that it could become a textile fiber, that the whole process was like a magical thing happening to them, and they, uh, uh, I have the feeling that they gained a lot of insight in how textiles are being made and
0: what they are made from. Hmm. And apart from the the scale of it, uh, in terms of the way in which it was picked up by so many people. Mm. What else about the project surprised you that you didn't anticipate originally? Um,
1: I was surprised that so many people were interested. Uh, and I was surprised that I didn't have to do uh, almost any communication with uh, spreading the project. It's spread by word of mouth or... Uh, some new newspaper uh, picked, uh, picked up on it, so it just spread. I didn't have to do anything <laughs> the first year or even the second year. But it also was um, it has been a, um, a lovely experience how how much we can do together when, and uh, how how the big how big an impact we can do when everyone is. Um, giving their, their little piece because uh, for example before the project there were a couple of uh, videos on YouTube about uh, flex processing in Sweden but just a couple of them four or five not, not much at all but now there are several <laughs> so different regions have put up different videos and um, so everyone can gain um, can um, be helped by what the other person is doing or the other organization. So everyone is uh, doing a little bit, and it becomes a great whole. Do you know what I <laughs> what
0: I'm trying to say? Sure, sure. Do you there's, understand uh, me? There's a kind of uh, momentum behind it, but yes, in terms of yes, the way yes. in which it's been picked up, what about outside Sweden? Has there been any interest? Of course, yes. So th- that's the
1: the. The great thing about working together with Hemsladen, because uh, that organization has sister organizations in, uh, in the Nordic countries. So this project has spread to Norway, Denmark, Iceland, Finland and Estonia. So they are doing one square meter of flax now. And, uh, and also in, uh, in Holland, in the Netherlands. There, there is a, there was a Swedish, a, a, a lady from Holland, who has her summer house in Sweden, and she has, she is uh, involved in a flax association in Holland. So they brought the concept to Holland, and I think that's the, um, part of the success of the project is that we have been very open. It's almost like open source. We have no budget we have we have a little uh, we have a little project group and it's you're free to join just or do it yourself or organize it yourself the, we have this advice if you want to do it and you can do it like this or you can do it like that so it's not, we have uh, kept it very loose if you understand what i mean
0: mm yes so it's going to be interesting to see if it spreads further beyond northern europe but while we're in northern europe do you think there's anything particularly say swedish or nordic about this particular project in your mind why it would emerge in sweden mm, maybe we have
1: we have uh, like you said in the beginning we have this uh, tradition and this uh, of organizing um, with the then with the regional crafts advisors, and uh, the other Nordic countries has also got handicrafts associations. And I think that we have this um, infrastructure or networks uh, that it's a great advantage in doing projects like
0: this. Yes, I think Right, this is. is partly, you know, the, the Sloyd movement that began very much as a response to industrialization Mm -hmm. and fear that people would lose their character when they worked in factories and became mere machines. So learning crafts was an important way of character building. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a way to, um, in Sweden, for example, we had a huge immigration. People emigrated to the United States in the late 1900s, over a million people emigrated from Sweden. And uh, the Sloyd movement and the handicraft movement, they were, it was also uh, meant as a way to, in, to developing craft as a way for people to get an income so they, they could stay in Sweden.
0: In terms of the challenges people faced, Uh, Did you find any particular difficulties that were frequently encountered?
1: Well, the retting process. It is the most difficult uh, because you had you have to you have to smell it, you have to feel it, you have to. It can be hard if you have to do it on your own. If you have someone to guide you, uh, and uh, and it's it's more difficult to do online as well. You must have to be there, but uh, I think that was the most difficult part. What's
0: what's the smell involved?
1: Mm. Well, this is maybe not smell, but it's uh, it's it's the coloring. It's uh, how how you break it. If if you ret it too long, then it's all spoiled. If you ret it too short a time, uh, it's uh, the wood gets stuck to the fibers. So and it uh, does if, if you
0: require oh, experience it's
1: required, yes, exactly, and it was also something that I, I've been thinking about about this project, why it, uh, many people were attracted to it, because I think um, a lot of this knowledge is things that starts where the internet ends <laughs> that it's things that you can't just read about, you have to experience them. You have to touch the flax, you have to feel it, you have to break it, you have to see how it works, If it, is it ready, is it not, yeah, um, everything. When is it time to harvest it? Uh, how does it feel? Um, and I think maybe people, um, consciously or not, uh, uh, long for those things, that you have to learn it with all your senses. And I think another thing that I thought about that is nice with this uh, project is that you really have to do it. Not everything is accessible all the time. Uh, You have to sow it at a specific time. You have to harvest it. You have to do all the things at the right moment. Uh, And in our society, everything is available all the time. You can... Eat whatever you want at any time of year. You can, um, oh, you know, you understand what I mean. This is something you have to do in the, with the rhythm of the earth, mm-hmm. <laughs> almost. Or you have to. And I think uh, that uh, is something that we uh, have forgotten about. And I think uh, we want to remember it. To live more accordingly to
0: the rhythms of rhythm of the seasons. Well, indeed, Halevi, your scenic journey has just become a grand adventure beyond <laughs> the internet. The the ultimate challenge. <laughs> uh, I wonder, in terms of the project, I don't not, not sure if everyone's there now, but uh, the products that actually came from this. Did you find uh, items like? Uh, Inga's tale coming out of it, were people sharing what they did or was that just the challenge too far for most people?
1: Um, yeah, I did a little, um, a little survey and uh, maybe, mm, maybe 70 80% harvested their flax and then maybe 5% did all the process and made something of it and then there are some people who uh, i'm waiting for a breaking party or uh, i was just happy with the beautiful flowers uh, and things like that but what they um, and but people of course shared what they've done on social media and they did some people did weave things uh, but they also knitted uh, gloves for for to have in the shower uh, to scrub yourself with that's very good and uh, they did uh, small small ornaments for the christmas tree or they just made a, a just it's not just but they made yarn they spun the th- th- spun the fibers uh, so it was a uh, different things so but people were sharing
0: funny. sharing this maybe sharing patterns or Ideas. Yes, yes.
1: And then were, they were.
0: Was there an exhibition or anything like that?
1: No, we are working on an exhibition right now, um, actually, because i mean, in. Uh, for, for me, it's the fourth year with this project. So now uh, everything, all the information is available. I will not uh, send out more seeds uh, because, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, but the first year we had 700 people joining us and the next year we had 1400 people in my region uh, growing flax <laughs> but then we said okay uh, now we just now you can get information where to get seeds and you can how to do it but now you do it on your own and we, you can join our webinars you can join our breaking parties things like that but we won't distribute the seeds Uh, But for this year, we are uh, doing a big exhibition in a museum in my part of the world. And uh, one square meter of flax will be a part of that exhibition.
0: Well, you must uh, let us know so we can share it with readers, please. Of course,
1: Uh, of course. Uh, The exhibition is called Lean on Me because (laughs) lean is flax in Swedish.
0: (laughs) So, mm. So, kind of linen anonymous, is that right? Oh, yes, maybe like alcoholic <laughs> anonymous. Yeah.
1: No, it's um, yeah, it's great fun. And Sounds our, our, wonderful. We have, we had some some goals with the project. Uh, one goal is was to start conversation about textiles. How are they made? Who is making them? And at what cost? Uh, because we thought if you grew just one square meter and got an insight in how linen is produced, maybe you will look at the clothes you have in linen in a different may- way. Maybe you will look at the, your old towels that you inherited from your grandparents. Maybe you will look at the tablecloth you find in the flea market in a different way. Maybe you will appreciate the things that we have more, uh, and it's it's not an easy goal to to know if it was a success or not. But I hope that uh, all the people who participated uh, uh, have gotten more knowledge about this wonderful flower and about. Uh, linen textiles
0: and have you and you make a space for people to reflect on this aspect of the project
1: in the exhibition or
0: in the webinars um or
1: the discussions now the, the, we that's a good idea we have had the, our webinars has been organized by Hemsleden uh, on a national level and they have been very practical this is how you sew this is when you harvest you will look for this and this and this it will be very instructive very practical but it's a very good idea to have um, some kind of um, almost philosophical or more more uh, for the uh, webinar with more discussions maybe
0: i think yeah, somebody thinking. to speak speak on behalf of the textile industry too um,
1: yes well we uh, actually we're i'm uh, a part of another project that is investigating how if, uh, uh, if we if linen could be or flax could be an interesting fiber to start with again in sweden because we don't have any commercially grown flax fiber in sweden so where does it's, it come oh, from uh, it's uh, it's from belgium france uh, russia China, the big uh, producers of flax in the world. But we used to have be a, a, a big uh, linen nation, and we had uh, all the infrastructure and uh, machines until the 60s um, because the industry had support from the state, the government, but in the 60s, they decided to withdraw that support. And then all the, um, all the industry closed it in just in a year. And then the farmers had nowhere to go to get their flax processed. So the commercially uh, grown flax industry uh, disappeared in a year
0: in the 60s in Sweden. So I bought some beautiful linen at the Hemslöiden shop in Stockholm. Yeah, ja. uh, and so there is linen being made in Sweden, obviously.
1: Oh yes, but the but the fiber and the threads are coming from abroad. We don't have any uh, production of uh, yarns or the fiber in Sweden. Mm. But we I, have, think, uh, some great, I think what your yeah.
0: project shows is that uh, bringing production back uh, isn't just about employment or something, you know, purely economical. It's also social. Clearly yes. people enjoy, <laughs> you know, that kind of experience working together.
1: Yes. And, uh, and the second goal we had Ella, that I have <laughs> is to make Sweden a flax country again or a linen country again because we have the perfect climate and it grows beautifully here.
0: So that's my goal. Indeed, well, we'll judge that in a generation's time, Alevi, as uh, <laughs> Sweden becomes covered with uh, flax fields. And uh, so, yeah, it's interesting given the fact that a lot of development has meant that a lot of agriculture as well as factories and so on have been outsourced from the yes. so-called developed world to to other countries uh, who are also rising now. So there's the opportunity to bring home some of that for, for different reasons also to do with the more precarious nature of supply chains as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I've got to tell you, uh, one thing that um, surprised me about the project uh was the who participated Uh, because it was everyone it was uh, a lot of men (laughs) when you work with the textile handicraft uh, it tend to be a lot of ladies uh, joining the different projects and activities but in this case it was a lot of men Uh, it was a lot of younger people um, say from 20 to 40 Uh, there were from all different kinds of the society there were we had preppers uh, survivalists (laughs) wanted to know how to grow flax and uh, we had uh, universities we had kindergartens we had everything and it, it was also very beautiful about the concept that you could apply it to a kindergarten child as well as a university student. Everyone could join in the same project. And it's not often that a project uh, has that wide range of participants.
0: So that's wonderful. Me. So the whole, um, whole country came together around a plant. Yes.
1: Yes. And now all the Nordic countries.
0: <laughs> mm. Well, it's better than around tanks or bombs or other things that are more destructive, certainly. Yes. Uh, In terms of, uh, I guess this this seems like such a a marathon project that it's hard to conceive of anything else, but are you beginning to think about uh, other kinds of projects like uh, making a shoe or other ways in which people individually could do things but at a collective level, or is this all consuming at the moment?
1: Well, my, um, a colleague of mine, uh, Jonathan, he, he worked with uh, um, associ- an association in this region called Halmes Hus, House of Straw. So they did the same concept, but they uh, sent out, people could join, uh, and they sent out seeds for ray uh, corn ray is it that you make uh, straw hats from right. so the project was called grow your own hat oh. so the, and it was about 400 people joined and they had uh, so they also grew their ray is it the right word
0: uh you mean straw or wheat
1: yes no not the wheat but the isn't it ray The one that is not wheat and it's not... Rye. Rye. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. So they grew rye. Uh, And it's traditionally used for making straw hats, um, straw ornaments, uh, because it's a um, a seed that gets very tall. It can get uh, almost two meters high. So that's why you want that for making straw craft. Uh, And they had courses and they came people and braided their rye and made hats. So grow your own hat.
0: (laughs) So they could say, if somebody asked them, where did you get your hat? They could say, I grew it myself.
1: Yes. Isn't it lovely?
0: (laughs) Mm, That's terrific. Well, I think that's been really inspiring, Halevi, and... I certainly would welcome any Garland readers that wanted to take the initiative to take the one meter linen project beyond Northern Europe into other parts of the world. I think that could be a really exciting development, uh, and certainly one that can help bring people together and, as you say, lead to a, a better appreciation of of nature, of its uh, of its timing, yeah. of uh, the the technique and experience that comes with it, the sociality, how we can kind of work together, mm. all those things are such a, a beautiful story for our world today. So thank you. And, and do please, you know, keep us in the loop with this so that yes. uh, we can, we like to have and stories any- like linen, that, like flax that stays alive, that we keep feeding, that keep growing. So this seems like one of them.
1: Yes, I'm very happy to be part of this. Uh, pro, uh, both the project and this pro- podcast. And if um, anyone is interesting interested in the project and wants to try it out for themselves, they are happy to, and they can always contact me if they want some tips and tricks, uh, how to make it uh, spread or how how to do it actually.
0: Right, so I think a, a new kind of fun. global conversation is emerging. Alevi, with your help, that's wonderful. <laughs>
1: spread <laughs> the word, spread, spread
0: the seed. Spread the seed, yes. Okay. Taksa thank you so much. Tak, själv, Thank you very much. It was lovely. You've been listening to a
1: podcast from Garland Magazine. Please check our website, garlandmag.com, for more stories behind what we make.